This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Amen. How many are hoping that 2017 is going to be the best year ever? How many are believing that 2017 is going to be the best year ever? Right. Amen. Well, I I honestly can say that knowing uh, many different situations and knowing things that we have personally gone through, 2016 was a tough year. But we're in a new year. Amen. And we're going to be moving forward. I wanted to share some different principles about the best year ever from literally one chapter in the Bible, Philippians chapter 3, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible of all time. I usually come back to this every year and and just kind of sit on this and camp on it because I love this chapter. Philippians chapter 3, verses uh, starting at verse 1, and we're going to just follow along on the screen behind you so you can track along here. It says this, finally, my brethren or sistren, depending on who you are, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. He's basically saying, I'm coming to give you an encouraging word, a word that is safe. And it may not start out very encouraging, but by the end of it, it's going to be very encouraging. Beware of dogs. What a great way to say, this is a safe word. This is going to be an encouraging word. Everything's going to be okay. First thought, beware of dogs. And we're not talking about those that can nip at your ankles. Right? He's actually talking about religious leaders. He says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. What an encouraging word. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Have zero confidence in the flesh. Have zero confidence in their ability to change their situation around. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. For if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Paul is basically saying, listen, I've I've got it as far as natural talent, natural ability, natural knowledge. I know all those things. But he says, I more so, because I was circumcised the eight days. Basically saying, I followed the laws. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee. I'm going to explain that a little bit later. Concerning zeal, another word would be passion, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these things I've counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. It wasn't just enough to gain Christ. He wanted to be found in him. Could you imagine if someone came up to you, looked at you, and says, I just see Jesus. I don't see you. I just see Jesus. Count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. But interestingly enough, this chapter doesn't stop there. I'm so thankful it didn't stop there, (laughs) that it actually gets to the best part. Are you guys ready for the best part? 
Verse 12, it says this, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of, what, of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold for me. Can we get a show of hands in this place very confidently? Who is perfect in this place? Okay, that's good. That's good. We all have humility. This is good. Um, how many think that your spouse is close to perfect? Good one, Richard. Okay, brownie points. That was very smooth, Ryan. Off the couch. That's awesome. Good, good, good. Um, it's saying not that I'm perfect. It's saying not that I've already attained. How many get frustrated because you know you haven't got there yet? It's saying not that I've already attained. I take hold of. Now catch this. It doesn't say I take hold of the promises of God. It doesn't say I take hold of you know, the dreams and purposes and plans of God for my life. It says I take hold of that which Jesus Christ took a hold of for me. So then we have to ask ourselves, what did he take a hold of? Well, when he was on that cross, he took a hold of suffering. He took a hold of disease. He took a hold of, of depression, of discouragement. He took a hold of all that, took it to the cross, so that we don't have to hold it anymore. So what does he give us? Peace. Joy. Patience. You know what I'm saying? Patience. Some of us need it more than others. Let's take a hold of what he already took a hold of me. It goes on in verse 13 and it says this, Brethren or sister, and I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Interestingly enough here, the one thing that is actually being referred to is not the end of verse 13, but the one thing that he's actually referring to is in verse 14. The two things to get to the one thing is what's found in verse 13. But it's not the one thing. Verse 14 is the one thing that he's talking about. It says this in verse 14. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I lay my hand to the plow. I look forward. I don't look behind me. I look forward. And I live my entire life, to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus. That's it. Amen? So what are we doing to stay focused on the upward call? It's amazing it doesn't just say the call of God. It says the upward call. How many know that there's a midward call <laughs> and there's a lowward call? How many want the upward call? Okay, all three of us. This is good. How many want the upward call? of? Okay, there. Put up your pinky in the air. I'm kidding, I won't do that. <laughs> I don't know about you, but coming into 2017, I keep thinking to myself, God, I just want everything you have. God, I don't want to settle for what I couldn't get in 2016. I don't want to settle for the frustration of 2016. I don't want to settle for all that stuff. God, I want what you have. And the one realization that I've had in my life is that when I want what God wants, everything else seems irrelevant. It's contentedness. Everything else seems irrelevant. So what are the two things that get us to the upward call? Thank you for asking. They are very simply this. In verse 13, it says this. But one thing I do, 
I forget what's behind, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I forget what's behind, and I reach forward to those things that are ahead. I forget what's behind, and I reach forward to those things ahead. Can we do that? Is that something that we have the capability of doing? Forgetting what's behind, reaching forward to what is ahead. Amen? It's, that's my whole message. There you go. We can end now. Forget what's behind and reach forward to what is ahead. Jeff, thankfully, has helped me with this little illustration. I'm not going to get him to come up front because he would be embarrassed and he would hit me. And he's much bigger than me. And he would hurt me. And I don't want to be hurt today. So I'm going to just do this myself. But how many have ever seen a rearview mirror? Yeah, yeah, okay, that's good. Could you imagine if I lived my life trying to move forward by looking what's behind? Oh, although I do see some really cool people. Hey, Lisa. <laughs> and there's Richard and Ray. There's a whole pile of people over here. There's Chris Peters in the back. That's awesome. Think about this for a second. What in the world is the purposes for a rearview mirror? Think about this. Well... Let's simplify it. Let's dumb it down. It's to see what's behind. <laughs> right? That's the only purpose for a rearview mirror. It's to see what's behind. Now, number one is to see what's behind you. But think about this for a second. You can never move forward if you're looking back. Because you don't know what's in front of you. So you don't know what to avoid. You don't know what to go around. You don't know how fast or how slow to drive if you're looking behind you. Right? The other reason that we would have a rearview mirror, as some of us often use, some of those people in this room will never admit it, of course, but sometimes we use it to speak to someone in the back seat. We'll even adjust the rearview mirror to look at that person and not worry about what's behind us in order to see the person that's behind us in the back seat. But can I say this morning that if a comfort to you is to hang out with the people that are behind, you'll never move forward. I don't know about you, but I want, to, I want to track towards my future with people that are moving forward. If I have to constantly be talking to the people in the back seat that are never desiring to move forward, I'll never get anywhere. The only place I'll ever get is looking at them. Amen? The other reason that some people use this in the car, not everyone, mind you, but is to put your makeup on. And for guys, is to just make sure that there's nothing in your teeth. You know what I'm saying? Before you go somewhere. But we're looking what? At ourself. If you're looking at yourself, your face is not on God. And you can't move forward. How many know the moment you look at yourself, you see your imperfections instead of seeing the grace and the goodness of God to change it? If you're looking at the person behind you, then you get comfort knowing that, hey, I'm a little bit ahead of them, so I must be okay. but we need to move forward. The other reason that you need this wonderful little mirror is to drive backwards. And how many know that when you drive backwards, number one, it's a lot more dangerous. Number two, the only person that in the world, in the history of the world that's ever perfected it is Tom Mater from Cars, and we don't want to be like him. <laughs> number three, is it's taking you in a direction you ultimately don't want to go in. Amen?
Too many of us spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror, thinking about what should change, what didn't change, the regrets of the past, continually looking back. Can I say this this morning, that the mirror was important and it does have value. Why? Because it reminds us of the lessons that we've learned. But the only purpose of that mirror is to remind us of the lessons so that we can carry those lessons forward so we don't repeat it. Amen? And for some of us, the easier way to deal with that is not by using the rearview mirror. but by using the side mirror. Why? Because the objects in that mirror appear closer than they really are. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? So the lessons that God wants us to learn are the objects in the mirror that are closer than they really are. But you cannot drive forward even with this. You can only drive forward when you're looking forward. Amen? Amen. So what is Paul saying to us in this verse, in this chapter in the book of Philippians? He's basically saying we've got to let go of some things. So can I talk about in generalities and principles here, in lessons, the things that Paul is even saying to the church at Philippi, what you need to let go of? The first thing is this, found in verse 2 and 3, and I'm going to read this verse again. It says this, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. These were... Religious leaders of the law of the day that were putting uh, laws and, and, and pharisaical traditions upon new believers that God never intended to put on them. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Can I say this morning that what did Paul have to forget? Well, the first thing is this, and I want to say this carefully so that people don't misunderstand this. He had to forget about his religious leaders. Before you throw things at me, because I know there's value in religious leaders and there's value in spiritual parents, because the Bible talks about that. Can I say it like this? His religious leaders couldn't save him. But Jesus could. Your spiritual mentors cannot save you. But Jesus can. Now, they should be in your life, and they should be helping you, and they should be cheerleading you on, absolutely. But they can't save the situation for you. They can't solve the problems for you because the only one that God is asking to be in the driver's seat is you. And the only one that's in the passenger seat is the Holy Spirit. And he asks you and begs you, please do not have any backseat drivers. Just don't do it. It's not going to help you. The second thing is found in verse 4. It says, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. What is he talking about? His good behavior. How many, once we get into a midst of a situation, the first thing that we think up here, but we never verbalize is, well, I'm better than them. Right? I'm better than them, so it can't be that bad. Your good behavior can't save you. But Jesus can. Amen? Paul's good behavior couldn't save him, but Jesus can. Verse 5, it says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. He's basically saying, listen, guys, I've got some family lineage here. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Can I say this morning? Your family can't save you. Your spouse can't save you. Your children turning around and making better choices is not going to save you. 
Jesus saves you. Amen? Now, does God use your family? Yes. Do you need a family? Yes. You need two families, a natural family and a spiritual family. You need both. But they won't save you. They're not going to make your best year ever. Jesus will. Amen? The second half of verse 5, it says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee. What was a Pharisee? Good question. It's very simple. They were people that dedicated their entire life to studying the Bible. They were in Bible college their whole life. I don't know about you, but they were brilliant. Now, they didn't know Christ, but when it comes to religious understanding, they knew a whole ton of information. They could quote verbatim, verse after verse, principle after principle, lesson after lesson. But knowledge doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Then he ends it with verse 6. This whole thought, he says, Concerning zeal, another word is passion, I persecuted the church. Concerning the righteousness which is of the law, I'm blameless. What was he doing? He was reviewing his points for pride. Can I say this morning that if we're going to have our best year ever, we have to let go of that which we would take pride in. Well, look at me. <laughs> yeah, I figured all that out. Man, if someone would just talk to me, I could tell them stories about how to, you know, just get past that issue because I have arrived. I did that once in my life. It didn't go well. You know, I can honestly say in my entire life that for the first 22 years of my life, I was completely self-righteous totally full of myself. God met me, stripped me absolutely naked and bare, not physically, but just spiritually. I felt totally lost for a season. And then I came and I met the Father's love, and my life has completely been transformed for the last 20. Yes, you just figured out my age. That's okay. But you know what I didn't understand? I didn't understand that listing off a list of things that I was good at impressed God. It didn't, it didn't impress him. You know what he's impressed by? How much you are hidden in Christ. And when he looks at you, he just sees his son. Amen? That was a good point. Thank you, Cameron. All right, that's good. When we look at ourselves, it hinders us. When we look at all the things that we've accomplished, it hinders us. It's amazing that Paul didn't stop at verse 6. I want to read to you verse 7 down to verse 10, and I want you to see his heart. It says this, But these things which were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Now, he just didn't say, I count them loss. He goes on and it says, Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as Rubbish. Everything that I've gained, everything that I've done in myself, I count as garbage, as refuse, as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness which is from God, but by faith. And here's his whole heart in verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Resurrection life has a way of redeeming what was destroyed in 2016. 
When I say forget about 2016, I'm not saying move on from this, that, the other thing. Name the circumstance and move on from it. I'm saying not only do you need to forget it and leave it in God's hands, but you've got to trust that he can redeem it better than it was originally designed because that's the God of redemption. He redeems better than the original design. Amen? Amen. It says, but what things were gained to me, or sorry, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. I just want to share this one thing. This is really designed for people that are, are younger in age, but I want you to hear my heart. When I was younger, I felt like I didn't need God because I could figure it all out my own. When I was younger, I never had life hit me. I never had life circumstances hit me to remind me that, you know what, life can be messy. And so when you're younger, you, it's easy to get this concept or this idea that, hey, I can figure it all out and I don't need God right now. Can I say this morning, you need God more than you've ever needed him before. Sometimes circumstances have a way of waking us up to reality. Don't let circumstances wake you up. Let Jesus Christ wake you up. Let the love of Jesus for your heart and for your life wake you up. Because I'll tell you right now, don't go through 2017 with the same complacency that we had in 2016. Come in with a fresh heart, a fresh passion, a fresh understanding of what God wants to do in your life. Some of us feel like we can't receive that because of what we have done because of the things we've messed up in 2016. Can I say this morning, God's grace is bigger. God's mercy is bigger. There's a pile of people sitting in this room right now that are living proof of the mercy and the grace of God. Forgetting those things which are behind. Second thing, reaching forward to that which is ahead. Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14, it says, Not that I've already attained... Or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Interestingly enough, the Greek word for reach literally means stretch or to strain. How many watch the Olympics in the summer? Okay, the absolute darling of the Olympics from Canada's perspective was Penny Alexiak. It was awesome just to see what she did. But one of the things that I actually went back and saw this week because I was, I was intrigued by it, she won one gold. She got two bronze and a silver, but she got one gold. And if you actually watch the race, the 100-meter freestyle, which is just all-out swim, like just no holding back, all-out swim, if you actually look at the race at 25 meters to go, so it's a 100-meter race, 25 meters to go, she was in fifth. At 20... 18 to 20 meters to go, she was third. And in the very last moment of the race, she stretched beyond what anyone else stretched, and she hit that mark and ended up tying with the American for gold. But she stretched out. She made up literally in 18 meters, two meters on somebody else just to capture that gold. This word to reach forward is literally this word, to stretch forward with everything that you've got to reach for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. And I have news for you. As much as I would love to get a gold medal when I get to heaven, it's not about that. (laughs) It's about something so much bigger. Amen? We need to reach forward for what God has for us. How many know that to reach forward takes risks? How many know that to look backwards doesn't take any risk? How many know to use your rearview mirror for the rest of your life does not take any risk? As a matter of fact, it's very easy to be complacent in that place because it's a nice, comfy bucket seat. 
But to go forward takes risk. It takes movement. It takes a decision. It takes a next. How many know that we need to go to the next? And to go from here to the next means you have to do something. Amen? For the next four Sundays, we're going to talk about next. So come back as literally point number two about reaching forward is what I'm going to talk about for the next four Sundays in different ways. But we've got to reach our next. Interestingly enough, Paul goes to his final chapter in this book, Philippians chapter 4, the final chapter, the very next chapter, and he leaves us with a whole pile of goodies that will make 2017 your best year ever. Verse 2, he literally says, restore your relationships. He says, be of one heart and one mind. Verse 4, it says, adjust your attitude. That's my version of it. It says, rejoice in the Lord in every circumstance. Yay! Okay, all right. Verse 5, verse 6. Cameron's version, give your emotions a tune-up. What it actually says is be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, present your request to God so that the peace of God will be yours in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, it says be intentional about your thinking. It says think about what? Good things. Think about what God's thinking about you. Amen? Then he declares to the church, right at the end of verse 9. Once he said, these are my goodies, now in the next couple of verses, I'm literally going to say to you, and I'm going to declare to you the results of putting those things into action. Are you ready? This is what he declares. Verse 10, that you'll flourish. Verse 11, that you'll have opportunities. Verse 12, that you'll be content. Verse 13, that you'll be strengthened. Verse 19, that you'll be blessed. Verse 23, that you'll have grace. How many want that? When you have that, you have your best year ever. Amen? I had the weirdest thing. Um, I went into, uh, had to renew my license because it's, it's uh, my birthday coming up. I won't say what day. It's today. Anyhow, um, uh, my birthday's coming up. And my license plate, how many have had one of those license plates where they're all, all the numbers and all the letters are fading and everything's peeling? And I didn't know what to do. I'm thinking, can I get a free replacement? Like, I'm all excited. I'm like, do I get a free replacement? Can you put, like, Cam is awesome on and then I thought, no, 2017 is a year of humility. It's a year of humility. Okay, so they gave me this new license plate, and I got all excited because the moment I saw it, God spoke to me. I was like, this is the most awesome thing because 2016, there's parts of 2016 I'm quite happier now in the past. It's been a tough year for a lot of people, including us. And 2017, I'm like, yeah, I've even got a new license plate for 2017. And you guess what it is? Are you ready? It's C-A-Y-R-5-5-2, and you go, who cares? I don't care. But for me, it was like God was speaking to me. Cam, right, C-A, this is Cam's year, Y-R. 5-5 five, five is the number of grace. Grace, grace, two, double blessing. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Every time I drive my car, I'm going to remind myself that 2017 is going to be the best year ever. Because it's Cam's year. And it's grace, grace, double blessing. How many think I got problems? Amen. Okay. Okay, anyhow, that's, why, that's how I function. Lord, speak to me through anything. Lord, Jesus, please. And he says, the leaves have won four in a row. Lord, Jesus, I love you. And they're going to win the classic today, Lord. Anyhow, please, Jesus, if you really love me. Oh. 
You know what I'm going to be doing from 3 to 5.30, don't you? All right. Interesting enough, I didn't say to Sandra what I was reading today, but I want to, I want to read a verse. Isaiah 43. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea. How many feel like you're just stuck in the middle of a sea? He who made a path through the mighty waters. How many feel like you're stuck in that? Who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again. The enemy never to rise again. Extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? If I, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. But we'll miss that if we're looking in the rearview mirror. He's doing a new thing. I believe that license plate for me is going to be something that's just between me and God that's going to be this cool little reminder. But you know what? He's in the habit of giving you very tangible reminders of his goodness. Can I give proof? Joseph. How many have ever heard the story of Joseph? He went through a lot. He, uh, he was very gifted, and as a result, he was thrown into a pit. He was very gifted again, and as a result, he was thrown in prison. He was very gifted again, and as a result, he was accused of trying to rape a woman. He was very gifted again, and he went into a prison for 13 long years and just almost died there. But it says, no, he didn't. He says, he, with his grace and the favor of God on him, he served and he served and he served. Children had significance in the Old Testament and the New Testament because it meant breakthrough. It meant, it meant a new season. It meant so many different things. In Genesis chapter 41, verses 50 to 52, it says this, Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Verse 51, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's house. And the second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So think about this for a second. Every single day of his life, he had to call his sons probably 70,000 times. Manasseh, Ephraim, come here. What was he calling? Thank you, Lord, you forgot my troubles. Thank you, Lord, you're causing me to be fruitful. Thank you, Lord, I forgot my troubles. Thank you, Lord, you're causing me to be fruitful. Thank you, Lord, I forgot my troubles. I'm causing me to be fruitful. Every time I look at my license plate, I'm going to be thinking, Lord Jesus, this is my year. Just so you know, when I get to 2018, I'm going to think the same thing. But it's just going to be the same thing every year as long as I have that license plate. So I'm going to make sure it doesn't go anywhere. It's awesome. God has helped him to forget. Can I say it this morning like this? God helps you to forget 2016 and to be fruitful in 2017. Look for the upward call. Can I say this as well? And I want to end with this one thought. We're going to do communion together this morning in a very uniquely different way. Another word for forget is forgive. Interestingly enough, it's actually translated either way in the New Testament. It's either forget or it's forgive. So they're intimately connected. And how many know that forgiveness is a, is a struggle? But can I say this morning that the day or the moment that we look most like Christ is when we forgive. That's when we look most like Christ. Because that's his heart for us.
And the one thing that I've learned in my life is forgiveness just doesn't happen. It's just not an event. It's an offense. It's not an event. It's an offense. Because people can experience an event and move on. But forgiveness is an issue of offense. It's not an issue of an event. Can I, are we tracking together? We're good? Okay. And the one thing that I've learned in my life, so I'm just speaking for me for a second, that my offenses always come in three different directions. Number one, I can be offended at myself. We call it shame, right? We can be offended at others, right? Or we can be offended at God. That doesn't mean that God did something wrong. But we can be offended at God. I have news for you this morning. Jesus, in his last 12 hours, dealt with all three of them. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. It's not about me. I can't get caught up with me. He gets up on the cross. He looks down. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. It's about others. And then he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? In that moment on the cross, he took all three to the cross with him. The offense against ourselves, the offense against others, and the offense against God. He took it to the cross, he took it to the grave, and then he resurrected. In other words, he redeemed it. He bought it back. Better than the original. Do you believe that this morning? Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.